Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. This week we're going to start a new series, and I want to look at Noah and the whole exciting flood story. But to sort of do that, I also want to look at the people who are around during the flood, you know, or, or before the flood. They're called the antediluvian people which is a cool word for people before the deluge, people before the flood. And I think, remember, Noah lived for hundreds of years, and I think these people would have had a big impact on what was going on and why the flood had to happen in the first place. So turn to Genesis chapter 4, and we are going to hear an exciting but sad story. So hang on as we begin the story of Cain. Well, Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, and things had changed. Sin had entered the world, and sin was wrecking things and doing its damage. And Adam, before the fall, working the garden, working the ground was easy. Now it was hard work, and weeds grew up, and man, it was so hard to get anything to grow. And Eve, she gave birth again and again, and she gave birth to many children, but it was in pain and it was in suffering. And again, probably Adam and Eve struggled to find out who was going to lead the home because God said, you know, you're going to want to, you know, lord it over the man, Eve, but he's not going to let you. And God says before you were living in harmony and peace and communion and beautiful communion and everything was easy in the beautiful garden all you had to do was obey me and now it's the exact opposite but i wonder if eve said you know adam before yahweh left before god left he 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 did tell us right in all that cursing then and he did say that Someday there's going to arise somebody who will crush the head of the serpent. He's going to crush it. And Adam said, yeah, I agree. And, and God said, it's going to come through you, Eve. It's, it's going to come through your line. And man, they were hoping that maybe one of the babies they had was going to be that deliverer. Well, one day Eve gave birth. And it says in Genesis 4, she gave birth birth to a little baby boy now we don't know if this was the first birth they had or the 30th birth they had or how many kids they had but Cain comes out a beautiful bouncing baby boy and 
And Eve's excited and she goes, look, God has helped me. Look, I have got a boy is essentially what she's saying. I got a boy with the help of the Lord. And the name itself, Cain, means got, G-O-T, got. Look, I got a baby. It's like naming your kid got, Cain, got. Hey, look, I got got, you know, this is exciting. Maybe this will be the baby that the redemption will come through. And well, Cain grows up. And Cain, he is good at farming. Yeah, things are tough to grow crops and to grow anything. But it says in Genesis chapter 4 that Cain, he's good at it, you know. And he's got a bit of a green thumb and he becomes what we would call today a farmer. Later on, Eve gives birth again to another boy. But the, the Bible doesn't really mention what she says when he is born. And she names this baby Breath, which is a weird name, really, but Abel. So she gave birth to Cain, which means God, and then she gave birth to Abel, which means breath. Cain and Abel. And Cain, like I said, grew up to be a farmer, while Abel grew up to be a shepherd, a keeper of sheep. He was good at keeping the flock moving and making sure they were watered and making sure they could eat. And But you know, this whole time, God never quit existing. God never quit, you know, coming down and expecting worship and, and, and wanting to commune with his people. God was still being worshipped by Adam and Eve. And I think one of the reasons they continued to worship God is because they saw what sin was doing. And they saw their only hope was Yahweh. Their only hope was pursuing God. And so Adam and Eve perpetuated in their family, worked on with their family, with their kids to worship God, to worship the one true God. But I think Satan had his way. And remember, he's the prince and the power of this air, of this world. I think Satan was setting up other gods and other deities and other things to try to get man to pursue other gods instead. But Adam and Eve, they pursued God. They pursued the one true Lord of all, Yahweh. And I think they taught that to their boys. And it says that they would come and give sacrifices to their God, to Yahweh. Well, they knew what type of sacrifice or offering that Yahweh expected. It doesn't say when Yahweh told them that, but I think it's pretty certain that God at some point had passed on to Adam what he expected in an offering. But some people think, well, it doesn't really matter the offering. Maybe it was their heart, and, and I wonder about that too. Either way, I think it's a mix of both. Because Abel, it says in Genesis 4, brought an offering to the Lord. And he brought an offering of the firstborn of his flock and of the fat portions. Basically means he brought the best. He brought the most beautiful lamb and he brought the most beautiful tasty fat and he offered it as a burnt offering to the Lord. He offered it from a good heart, a heart that wanted to pursue God and that was interested in honoring him. And we also sort of get that sense from in the New Testament, 
in Hebrews chapter 11, which is all about living by faith. The writer of Hebrews says in 11.4, by faith, Abel offered God a greater or a better sacrifice than Cain, and through his faith, he was commended as righteous. So Abel comes along, and on the day when they are supposed to offer sacrifices, he brings the best, and he offers it to God from a heart of faith. Well, Cain says he brings an offering of the fruit of the ground. He brings probably some grain or or maybe some type of, um, you know, corn or whatever he happens to be growing back then. Maybe actual fruit itself. I don't know, but he, he doesn't bring an animal. He brings the fruit of the ground. He brings what he has. But the sense that you get is that, number one, God might have expected, right, Cain probably knew what he was supposed to bring. And some people believe Abel and Cain both knew they were supposed to bring an animal. And then to kill that animal as an offering to God, as a blood sacrifice. And some people believe, it doesn't say in Genesis 4, but Adam knew that, passed it on to his kids, his kids knew that. And so when Cain brought his grain offering, he should have known he should have brought an animal. A blood sacrifice. That's what he should have brought. Others say, you know, it doesn't really say that, but it does say that Cain had a bad attitude about it. And and it looks like Abel brought the best of the flock and the best that he had. Well, Cain, it seems in the Hebrews, just sort of brought... I'll just grab this piece of corn, and I'll grab this grape, and I'll grab this watermelon, and I'll put it all together. There you go, God, you got it. And he brought it with an attitude of little regard to God. He definitely did not bring it out of faith. He didn't bring it in the right heart attitude. And I do think in worshiping God and following him, attitude matters. You may do something outwardly and look all righteous and great. You know, hey, I always show up for church. I always answer the questions on Sunday school. I always do all the outward stuff. But inside, you've got a heart that's like, I don't really like God. This is boring. I want to do other stuff, cooler stuff. I'm tired of sitting here. This is dumb. What does God do for me anyway? You know, you have that inner heart attitude, and I think outwardly Cain was obeying, but inwardly Cain had a defiant heart. Well, it says that God, when he looked down at Abel's offering, he was pleased. And it says that God had a regard. Yes, that's the type of offering that you should bring. Well done, Abel. But when Cain brought his offering, you know, I don't know if God, you know, brought down fire and burnt up the offering. I don't know, but it was clear to Abel that, yes, God accepted my offering. And it was clear to Cain that God did not accept his offering. God liked Abel's offering. God rejected Cain's offering. And well, Abel left pleased. He had honored God. He had honored him and and given him something in faith. But Cain, 
angry. He was furious. It says there that Cain was very angry and his face fell. Now, the word face there, right? It's not like his face fell off. It's more this face basically means his countenance, his attitude. He was furious, very angry, and he pouted. He threw a temper tantrum. He was furious at God. How dare you not accept my offering? It's just as good as Abel's. There's no way. He became so angry. And he stormed off and maybe sat in his tent and pouted. And his brothers tried to come and cheer him up. And maybe he was out in the field working, you know, the crops. And he's just muttering on his breath. God likes Abel's stuff. Why isn't he just muttering the stinkiest, rottingest attitude ever when God shows up? And I don't know. It doesn't say, you know, maybe God showed up in human form. Maybe God showed up in a vision. But God graciously comes to him. God knows Cain's heart. And God knows he's angry. And God says, Cain, listen. Why are you angry, God asks. And why are you all upset? Why is your face falling? Why are you pouting? Cain, why? He's trying to encourage him. Hey, you know what? I don't want you to leave upset. I don't want you to leave mad. Let's talk about this. And God in grace, he could have wiped him out right there because of insulin, because of his horrible attitude, right? But instead, God comes to him and says, listen, why are you upset? And then, not only does God care about him to come to him to ask him if everything's okay, then God gives him a way out. A way to deal with his anger. A way to deal with his frustration. He says, God comes to him and graciously says, Listen, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And some versions say, if you do well, will you not be lifted up? God's basically saying to Cain, stop doing what is wrong and start doing what is right because if you do what is right i'll accept you you'll be happier life will be better and you're going to be lifted up and i just want to say that's still the rule today isn't it you could spend thousands of dollars on counseling and 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 how to work through issues and you know i'm not trying to put down counseling counseling is useful and it is needed but sometimes some of us are struggling with things where the answer is pretty simple stop it just stop it if you're struggling with some addiction some deep-rooted bad thing and you know it goes against the will of god you know it's against scripture but you keep doing it whether it's lying whether it's cheating whether it's going to websites you shouldn't go to whether it's thinking bad thoughts whether it's getting angry you have anger management issues whether it's you're tight with your money and you never tithe i don't know whatever it happens to be for you and you're doing something that you know is wrong God says the best way to deal with it is to stop it. Just stop it. And then, don't just stop it. Start doing what you know to do is right. Start tithing. 
Start getting off the internet and not going to those websites. Start doing what is right. Stop getting angry at people. Instead, showing them love. Stop doing something and start doing right. And God says, when you start doing right, Cain, and when you start doing right, Christian, man, you're going to have a peace. And yeah, you're going to have struggles. And some of these addictions are tough to get over. But if you keep with it, you will be accepted. You will have joy. Stop doing wrong. Start doing right. But God then gives him a warning. Cain, here's your solution. Stop doing what's wrong and start doing what's right. But then God gives him that warning. He says, listen, but if you don't, he said, sin is crouching at the door. And its desire is for you. And that idea of sin crouching at the door is sort of this idea of maybe God is talking to Cain in in his tent. And he goes, look out that tent door. If you walk out that door, you don't know what's off to the left or off to the right. I wanted to tell you there could be an animal crouching. Its muscles tight. A predator ready to leap on its prey. That's the idea. And God's saying it's the same thing with you, Cain. Sin is that predator. And it is ready to leap on you, to devour you, because it says sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you. It wants you, Cain. And that's still true today, right? If you mess around with sin, if you play around with sin, you say, well, I'm going to make it right. You know, I'm going to I'm going to deal with it later. But, you know, we, we sin because it's fun. It brings us pleasure. And we're just playing around with it. But sin is not playing around with you. Sin, on the other hand, sin is looking at you like fresh meat. And sin is saying, yeah, you're playing around treating me like I'm a little puppy. Well, in fact, I am a lion. I'm a wolf. And I'm going to eat you up. And I know people who are so stuck in their addictions and their way of life that just drags them down that sin has devoured them. It's ruined their marriages. It's ruined their jobs. Sin won and it crouched and it pounced and you're spiritually dead. But then God gives him hope again. He says, listen, you can rule over it, Cain. You can dominate that sin. If you stop doing what's wrong and start doing what's right, you can master it. You can fight it. You know, Jesus later on says, you know, if you have some sin that's going to stop you from getting to heaven, if, if it's stealing, chop off your hand. If it's lusting with your eye, Jesus says, gouge out that eye. It's better to go into heaven missing an eye rather than go into outer darkness or hell with both eyes because you wouldn't stop doing what's wrong. I would encourage you, if you struggle with the internet, shut the internet down and then start doing what's right. Fill it with something else. If it takes cutting off, hanging out with people who drag you down into situations you shouldn't, stop hanging out with those people. Start doing what's right, because if you don't, 
Sin is crouching, and it wants to devour. But man, you can master it, Cain. You can do this. And Cain goes, yes, God, I'll do it. Yay, and everything turned out for the better. (laughs) No. Cain, he didn't listen to God at all. Cain just continued with his hard heart. Well, one day, a couple days later, maybe, maybe a month later, that anger festered and that jealousy. And he said, hey, uh, Abel, come help me in the field. I I think I found one of your sheep over here. Abel comes over. Oh, really? Which lamb did you see? Man, I hope the sheep's okay. And he comes over to the field and it says that Cain rose up. I can imagine he picks up a rock and cracks Abel over the head. And Abel falls down dead. And Cain looks to the left, looks to the right, and he's like, man, I got to cover this up. He just killed his brother. First murder in the Bible. First murder after the fall. Sin has worked fast. We go from perfection in the garden and wonderful communion with God in Genesis 3 to Genesis 4. Boom. We hear the first murder committed. And Cain killed Abel and then buries him in the ground. You know, maybe he buried him in some crop of wheat and planted some wheat over him. And by then, Adam and Eve had so many kids and Abel had grown up and maybe he was far off on his own and I wonder if people began to ask around. I don't know, but I do know God asked around because God comes to Cain. God comes to Cain. Yahweh comes to Cain and says, hey, where is Abel, your brother? Abel used to come to bring sacrifices. I wonder where he is. Do you think God didn't know where he was? Remember, God is omniscient. He knows all. He is omnipresent. He is everywhere. This is one of those things where God is trying to get at Cain's heart. And he comes to him. And I can imagine Cain maybe thought he got away with it. Maybe it was a couple months later. And then God shows up again. Is it in human form? Is it in a vision? I'm not certain. But Yahweh shows up and says, hey, Cain, where is Abel your brother? And Cain says, oh, no, I am so sorry, Lord. I, I, I killed him. I failed. I Please forgive me. No, he doesn't say that at all. Instead, Cain gives a defiant attitude. He shakes his fist verbally right there in the face of God when he says, I don't know where he's at. Am I my brother's keeper? I mean, what an attitude. He knew exactly where Abel was. He was in the ground. He knew exactly what happened to Abel. Cain killed him. This whole way of saying it, am I my brother's keeper, is just so full of rank, bad attitude to almighty God. I can imagine God grabs him by the scruff of the neck. If he's in human form, maybe he did it physically. Or, or, or maybe God just did it verbally because he lays Cain out. And he says, listen, what have you 
done, Cain? What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. I hear it. I know what you did, Cain. I know exactly what you did. And guess what? From now on, you are cursed from the ground. You think you can grow things? You think you're going to be a successful farmer? Well, now you're not going to be able to grow anything. The ground that you buried your brother in is not going to produce any more fruit, any more vegetation, any more crops for you. When you work the ground, it's not going to yield anything. And you're going to be a fugitive and you are going to be a wanderer and you are going to wander and wander and struggle and struggle because of your hard heart, because you killed your brother. Get out of here, Cain. Cain begins to cry and I can imagine he begins to weep and he says this isn't fair this is too much for me he goes my punishment is greater than I can bear behold you've driven me away from the ground and from my family and from everything I know I'm going to be a fugitive and people are going to want to kill me this is too much this is too much think about it now Cain begs for mercy. When Cain gets caught red-handed killing his brother, when Cain he was given an option earlier by God to not even get to this point, God showed up in mercy and said, stop being angry. Do what's right. Stop doing wrong. Do what's right. Here's your way out. He gave him warning after warning after warning. And it's not until Cain was caught and God said, here's your punishment, that now he begs for mercy. Man, this is a hard-hearted, evil person. And I just want to say, some of you are in that spot. You've been listening to this podcast for a while, and you've been thinking about following Jesus, but your hard heart is like, well, I know if I follow Jesus, I'm going to have to give up on this or that. I don't know if I want to give up on that, because I sort of enjoy that, and... I don't know, is it really worth following Jesus? And what has he done for me anyway? Or maybe you have some habits, some sinful thing that you don't want to give up. Or maybe you have a bad attitude towards your boss, your parents, and finally you do something that you shouldn't do and you get caught. And instead of saying, I'm sorry, please forgive me, you just develop more attitude. You get more in your parents' face. You get more in your boss's face. You double down. Even though you were just caught red-handed, you double down and say, no, it wasn't me. It wasn't me at all, even though it was clearly you. And you get angrier and angrier. And that's when you pout. And that's when you throw a fit about how you're not fair. Your boss isn't fair. Your, your parents aren't fair. Your attitude is so far from God. You know, and God could have said, I don't care, Cain. Get out of here. But the Bible shows over and over and over again that we have a merciful God. A loving God. And he came to Cain and he said, listen, you are going to be a fugitive, but I'm going to put a mark on you. And this mark on you, everybody's going to know. That's Cain. And I better not kill him. Because if I mess with Cain, the vengeance is going to be sevenfold. 
So don't worry, Cain. You're going to be a fugitive. And you're going to wander. But I'm going to put this mark on you. And maybe it was a mark on his forehead. Maybe it was a mark on his arm. We don't know what this mark looked like. But people knew. Don't mess with that. He's Cain. Man, I want to kill him for what he did to his brother. Or man, I just want to kill him because he's a jerk. But I better not because... God says the vengeance on me is going to be sevenfold. I better not mess with him. And it says that Cain left. And he went away. This is one of the saddest verses in the Bible, I think. Genesis 4, verse 16. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord. He went to the land, it says, of Nod, east of Eden. And that's where he settled down. But he left the presence of the Lord. And I just want to say that is where some of you are headed. Hell essentially is full of people who say, I don't want to be in God's presence anymore. I don't want him. I want to be on my own. I want to do my own thing. Everybody who is in hell chose to be there. That's where they wanted to be. Cain wanted to be away from the presence of the Lord. Well, God said, all right, if you want to be away from the presence of me, you're a fugitive. Get out of here. You're gone. But man, I pray, don't be like Cain. Be like Abel. Live by faith. But it's hard. And sin is ever-present. And Cain... His sin and his attitude, it starts to fill the earth. Because it says in Genesis chapter 4 that he began to build a city and he named the city Enoch after one of his sons. And Cain, this city that he started, again, a man with a hard heart who wanted to run away from the presence of Yahweh. This can't be a good city. What's starting to spread all over the earth can't be a good thing. Well, I'm telling you, it's not. And it's only going to get worse. If you want to find out what that worse looks like, come back next week and you'll find out some of the amazing stories in the Bible of these antediluvian people and what God had to do to bring his people back to him. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week.